Well, especially when it's actually something that people actually care about. Is that any of our content? <laughs> Not usually. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I'm David Pettit, and in the week that my wife and I announced that we're expecting our second child, I decided to immerse myself in that newborn stage again by being shouted at by a bald human vying for my attention. <laughs> that man is Rich O'Keefe. Hey Rich. Uh, hey Dave, I don't need your attention. Yeah, so big D- news Dave. It's exciting. Uh, I don't know quite what else to say. It's uh sleep's overrated anyway mate yeah i mean we just we just got over the the whole um <laughs> sleeping through the night and then he's regressed again so uh now the second one on the way i'm just gonna have to get used to no sleep at all but uh, intravenous caffeine you'll be fine yeah i mean we decided to have them close together that's uh that's what my wife and her sister were were like and they were they were very close so apparently it worked out for their parents so sure. hopefully it's going to work out for me you'll be fine <laughs> i'll muddle just, through it does this mean you get another two shows worth of paternity leave in the future have i got uh, yeah have i got to get tim on the blower well p- possibly i mean we haven't been taken over by a global corporation that changed our uh our maternity leave allowance so i think okay, i've good. got another two shows banked up Ugh, dreadful <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh Speaking yeah, of corporations, do, do you want to get do? on with your? Do you want to get on with your corporate spiel? Oh yes, my corporate spiel, which is you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash floorhammer podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. I'm becoming more and more like a talk show host with that intro now. You are. Uh, anyway, what do you normally do? You normally talk about what we've got coming up today. I do. I do. Well, we're going to we're gonna start with our hobby progress. Relatively relatively busy for me, and you've got a fair few things on the list, which is good to see. And GW releases, mostly news, actually. Well, rules changes and things like that that are coming down the line, which are pretty exciting. Certainly you you from, were particularly excited about uh, a certain certain group of miniatures. It's been a roller coaster of a two weeks, I'll tell you that much when we come to it. <laughs> um game i actually played a game of kill team with my brother-in-law uh which was great so i should be talking through uh our our findings that the first game of a anything that i've played in what since february so that's been quite a while (laughs) i actually played uh my first game of ninth Ooh, yeah i i brought out the necrons from indomitus and and had a game of ninth edition so I'll, i'll talk briefly on that as well and then we're going to roll on to our topic, which we're going to talk about basing. Not any style in particular, but just the entire act of basing your model, because it's the last thing you do, um, usually, but it can it's make a massive favorite. difference. You hate it, but you're coming round to it, Dave. You're coming round to it. I am coming round to it because I've done it en masse. <laughs> I, I, it just, yeah, it just takes... To. Yeah, it takes so long after you've already completed your model. Come and, on, man. That's uh, that negative. It's our, it's our topic for the, for the show. Yeah. True, on, I man. love Positivity. it. It's fantastic. There we go. There we go. And we will round things off with a hobby tip. Talk about painting tank tracks, and uh, I guess it would technically be called a hack, as this is going up on the internet. So I shall say, uh, 
Or... Ten things you didn't know about painting tank exactly. racks. This one easy trick. Get what click- GW get... don't want you to know. Exactly. Get that clickbait in, mate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Should we roll on through then to hobby progress? Oh, no. no. And before we roll on through to hobby progress, Dave, what's your favourite part of the show? Show news. Show... We need to get a crappy jingle for that. I say okay. that every time. You so, said it this time. Being the organised person that I am, I took all of the responses that I got from last episode's um, 40k downloads giveaway, and we had a whole bunch of people email, DM us, I put everybody's name into the wheelofnames.com randomizer that we've used before. So I will click this now brand, and, brand names here. and generate our two winners, and then Dave will add some fancy sound effects in post, because I like to make you do work. Alright, okay, I will then. <laughs> Right, and the winner of the first place prize is Mika Silentini. So if you hear this um, shortly after it comes out, get in touch um, and we will arrange sending you your choice of either Gazgul or Ragnar. That's not Mika Miniatures on Instagram, is it? Maybe. I will check. Yes, Dave. Well done. I will edit out that silence because I don't think people want to listen to that. But yes, good, good shout. Man, you, yeah, you know no, I... For someone who doesn't use Instagram, you know what's going on. I used to, I use Instagram all the time. Thank you very much. Oh, posting we've, on. We've, sorry, posting on. Well, posting. Yeah, that's that's a different story. But no, I I really like his Marines. Actually, he's got like a black and bone coloured. Yeah, yeah. Thing going that, on. That's immediately jumps to mind when you mentioned the the, the name. That of the is account. him, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. And... Awkward moment when it's not. <laughs> and for second place. And that goes to Dan Schill. So if you can also drop us a message when you hear this uh, hear this episode go out, that'd be great. And uh, we'll get you uh, your whichever's not chosen by first place will be in the post to you ASAP. So nice. thank, thanks everybody for entering and getting in touch and uh, passing on a few nice comments. It's always good to hear. So now you're free to speak about your hobby progress, Dave. Perfect. So what have I been doing the last two weeks? Well, I do most of my painting on the weekend. And uh, this weekend, I actually went down to my parents. I was going to say, as soon as you spoke, I felt I had a trembling feeling that this was an excuse rolling out, Dave. I just, I just yep. sensed it. So I lost, I lost a weekend of painting. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I love seeing my parents. They've just moved down to the south coast of England, beautiful part of the world. Um, however, I didn't get to uh, paint anything though for the weekend. But I did get a few bits done. So um, I left last week saying I'd done the armor for the Necron Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and I think I'd done the armor for the destroyers, if I remember correctly. So based on um, a few text exchanges with yourself, you recommended instead of me painting panel lines with white and sort of sticking my tongue out and, and making sure that I keep to the lines for um, panel lining, essentially, with white, you recommended Liquitex white ink. Yeah. Just because it's so highly pigmented and is super thin. It's kind yeah, of t- super thin. What you needed. So it runs down uh, panel lines for which I w- needed and it worked perfectly. Absolutely perfect. I can't recommend the stuff enough um, for what I was trying to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. it won't work for everyone um, because it is essentially a very, very, very thinned paint, but it actually paints like an acrylic sort of thing. The amount of pigment in it is crazy, yeah. yeah. 
yeah so don't don't spill it <laughs> nope um so yeah i i managed to get that off and i managed to start off uh the osl by painting all the bits i wanted white um and then got the airbrush out so uh went over with colia green shade oh i like that color yeah i love that color it's it's like a green greeny blue really mm-hmm. deep green a sea green if you will um and yep yeah, so went over that all of the white stuff with um colia green shade and then over the top of that i went verdigris mm. so again a uh greeny blue but obviously a much lighter uh greeny blue and and then just to bring it all back down um i actually put waystone green through the airbrush okay. which is one of the gem paints mm-hmm. the um uh, I, th- I, th- I don't know how citadel classes it is it a technical? technical i think they're technical there we go so it's it's the green gem paint and it's basically just tinted the whole thing without painting as such without actually mm. um changing the color it, it just brought everything back down to more green than a blue um and it came out really creepy and it, and it really added to the effect of the creepy necron yep. um vibe that i was going for so uh yep so the osl is done on the the 10 necron warriors the uh destroyers and the the little plasma site that goes with the yep. destroyers which in game is very good and it's so cool it, all, as well. uh, it uh did its job so to speak in the game and because i had done the three destroyers i decided to test out um my basing scheme okay yeah. and um, just just doing those that i mean there's 60 mil bases well they might be 60 mil. There might be the one in between 40 and 60. Is it 55? 50, 50, 55. Oh. There's all sorts of sizes now. I get very confused. Yeah, well, they're on that. Um, so I decided it was a good size to um, get the basing down for the Necrons. Um, and I actually went old school sand. Oof. I haven't used I haven't used sand and PBA in, in a while, but uh, it got the coverage I wanted. Mm-hmm. It got the effect I wanted. And I wanted a very simple scheme for the Necrons because... I've gone for the the grim dark style. Yes. It's all about the model. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody really cares about the basing to an extent. Um, so I actually went with sand um, and then sprayed the whole thing um, grey. So I just had a, a matte grey primer, and over that went Colia green shade okay, yeah. to to sort of tie it into the whole model. Um, and then I think I used flayed one flesh, which is like a very very pale mm-hmm. beige. Uh, just a dry brush, like the simple Games Workshop style wash and then a dry brush. And then just to liven up the base a bit, I've got some green tufts, the the, the classic, uh, is it Middenheim tufts or whatever they are. Yep. And a bit of barbed wire as well, just to add a bit of variety to the bases. Well, that's the whole, so, that's the whole basing topic covered in one go there, Dave. Well done. There you go. So, well, that's what I used for this and I might bring them up later on. Um, but yeah, they they are based. I liked how they came out, and I think it's going to be quite easy to replicate across the whole army. That's good and quite well, relatively quick. Uh, obviously, I don't like basing, and uh, <laughs> just because it takes a while. <laughs> Another army I was doing at the same time was uh, the marine side of Indomitus. Mm. So I have started building the marines. I couldn't put off the Templars. Uh, for what two episodes no way so, so uh, i have built a few of them and i must say they are lovely very nice yep uh as, as nice as the necrons are the marines are just as nice and the outrider bikes are really cool yeah i've built two of them so far 
um, just because I've been um, just throwing Black Templar bits and, and Empire bits at them. Um, so I actually bought the old, um, do you remember the Empire Shield set? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it then. has the has the Maltese cross on that. So I picked up um, a sprue of that off eBay. So I got four Maltese cross mini shields that mm-hmm. I can put on the front. It's cool. Um, completely stolen from Instagram. I saw someone else had done it already. Uh, and then I built the chaplain and the captain and the blade guard veterans. Okay, cool. So because I wanted to use the old Forge World Templar shields. Yes, the ones from your old Terminators. Um, so I used the, the the shields for the blade guard veterans. Mm-hmm. I think I used one on my Leviathan, actually. Yes, you did, um, yeah. Yeah, and I've got one left over because I did not use it for the captain because... That dead skeleton's so good. It, it looks so cool. I could not... I could couldn't not use it that makes yes. sense double negative we love it yep um and uh put a load of chains and they've all got custom terminator shoulder pads and cool. all sorts so uh and the candles as well i've uh, got the candles for the basing for those guys as well nice talking of which i have built all of the bases for those indomitus templars that i've built so far plus the 1032 mil bases for the assault marines as well right yes so um i've gone for a more like a desert theme okay so i haven't 100 percent settled on a color scheme yet because i haven't painted it uh, yet but i built them so it's all sandy i bought some skulls and candles as well so i've got some um some of those on the basin like it's almost like um like a shrine world where people yep. have laid out candles next to sort of uh remnants of their i don't know bones and stuff it makes sense it's 40k it makes sense Skulls yeah, exactly. and candles, love it. Um, so yeah, I've I've built all of those and I've um, sprayed them grey. So okay. I think I'm going to go just for a, a brown undercoat and like a yellow slash beige um, on top with some grey rocks. Standard stuff. Yeah, pretty simple because you've got nice. Uh, you've got a lot of details on those models that you're going to start adding. So having a simple basing works well. Yeah, and I think I think that's where I've fallen down before because I've had very elaborate basing mm. uh, i used to go for resin basing all the time in fact yep. most of my armies are built on resin bases which is great but um i wanted to really focus on the models this mm. time and i think by having simple basing your eyes are more drawn to the models um, and especially with desert bases i've seen a lot of templars on desert bases because the i guess the really dark model really contrasts to the the light basing but i'll, I'll leave the 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 uh, whole topic of basing for later so i've got those to paint next and i think i was rushing through that but i think i that's all i've done so far this uh these last two weeks so uh finished off the um necron destroyers painted a few more necrons with the osl and uh built some templars sorted good, good progress mate mm. smashing through that indomitus box Oh, I love it. It's just, it's just handmade for me. Yeah. What about you? What have you got? Um, I have been trying to get on with my um Age of Sigmar board. It is uh, turning into a bit of a slog, and I'd been a bit lazy with it, to be honest with you. Your latest vlog is out. It will be out by the time the episode, this episode airs. So yes, not at the time of recording. I've got one or two things to finish up first. Yes, I was being lazy with it and uh, not very motivated. But um, someone had actually commented on a bunch of the videos on the 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 YouTube vlog that I've been doing and had said that they found the the vlogs quite useful. So I thought, yeah, actually, I need to get my act together and uh, do the next episode. So that's why we do it. 
That's for you guys. It. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the vlog's been fun to do, actually, when I've been in there working on it, and I decided that it was time to get more done. So I had a big clean down of the workspace in the garage because it was a bit messy. Um, I'd, I'd left stuff out when I was working on different things at different times and had nowhere to put the whole board out and get on with stuff. So I had a bit of a tidy up, which which sometimes frees me up to be a bit more uh, infused. Well, talking of infused, has the actual vlog um, motivated you? You said it would motivate you but i mean what are you eight episodes in now it, yeah it has and it's it's something i wanted to make sure i was putting something useful in there like showing how i do stuff and not just like i've you know i've been 3d printing a whole load of buildings and stuff it wasn't going to be like a five minute thing of here's some new buildings i've printed and then that's it because that's not really of any use to anybody so i wanted to make sure i covered some actual content actual episode rather than just yes. doing it weekly for the sake of it exactly so um it's been a month so i thought I'd get on with it so i have done the rock faces so far so i did my how to paint the rock faces using those right. um uh, molds i've mentioned it on the show uh here before um how i've done the leopard spotting technique to paint the rocks um so i got that uh recorded which was good and um i think i've after having done this on like two armies on parade boards and some terrain pieces i think i've actually got like a recipe down now where i'm kind of happy with how it looks before i've always found that i've done it too dark or something's not been quite right but i think i've got it down um how i like it now cool so making sure i get a good variation of the color with the yellows and the reds before i do the grays sure so that it looks a bit more like real rock and the big thing to do next is going to be pouring the resin. So <laughs> You've been putting this off for I weeks. have been putting this off for a long time. Um, it's time to stop being a wuss about it and, and get on with it. Actually, one of the listeners um, who, uh, when they entered the giveaway, I think, uh, sent us a, a big long message on Facebook um, and said that they knew I was gearing up for doing this and gave me a whole load of advice on yes, how I to did do see it. That, yeah. yeah, so... I actually ordered a roll of packing tape and the really shiny packing tape that you use to make, you know, do boxes for, for um, posting um, because apparently the resin doesn't stick to that and you use that to dam the end of the river section. He said that's the best stuff on like a piece right. of wood. So I'm going to follow that advice and uh, we'll see how it goes. So that uh, that resin pour is coming up. I'm a, li- a little <laughs> nervous about it, I'm not going to lie, um, but uh, I'm just going to get on with it, I think, and make it happen. And I'm doing more floor tiles more more floor tiles got to cast all those floor tiles. tiles i'm so sick of doing floor tiles mate oh goodness me as, but, as your as your city shrunk significantly no, no, based no. on the number of floor tiles you got to do no because i did the entire of the canal section first time round so i have set the amount of floor tiles that i must do <laughs> so it, it yeah it stops me shortcutting and and then cutting corners there and i unless pre- you need to cut corners <clears throat> oh oh a good joke there dave well done <laughs> And um, <laughs> it really wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't, was it? I tried to be nice. And I finished printing the wall. So I moved away from doing the plaster wall. I was, uh, I mentioned it a few episodes ago that uh, you, your concern was that it would be too heavy. Um, I said, don't worry about it. I'm putting polystyrene in between the two plaster layers. It'll be absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, it was really was too heavy. And I was concerned <laughs> that it was a bit top heavy and would fall over and either break itself because it's quite. Um, it can be quite brittle if you impact it or crush models because it's actually quite heavy. Mm. So I went for redoing it in the 3D printed files, which is fine. It's just it's 48 inches of wall to print out. So it was quite <sighs> slow. I'm on the last segment now. 
just coming out. So by the time the show comes out, I should have finished the wall for printing, which is good so that I can glue all the pieces together. And then the painting is no time at all. Because again, I use sponge painting, as we mentioned last episode. It's just so fast. <laughs> three things are certain in life. Death, taxes, and you 3D printing a wall section. Yeah, it's it's got to be done, mate. Like I, I, I tried, I tried with the plaster one, and it, it just didn't work out. And as we're in the mood for uh, excuses, painting this week has been pretty slow. Uh, it has been shocking. It is shocking because we had what Britain would call a heat wave, which means for about six days it went above thirty degrees, um, which for us is basically the end of the earth. It I mean, caveat that with none of us have air conditioning. No, no one has any air conditioning. Um, only one day was there any actual breeze in, and our houses are not like uh, Mediterranean Europe, for example, where they're designed to release all the heat built up during the day. Uh, we live in a generally cold country. Keep the heat in, insulate everything in sight, and it's just unbearable. So paint was drying in seconds even on a wet palette. So I shifted across to building so Good call. a couple of episodes ago, I said, oh, I'm not opening my Intometer's box until I finish uh, painting other stuff. Well, as I couldn't paint and I wanted to sit and do some hobby, I did start building some stuff in the Indomitus box as well. So uh, like you, I went with the Outriders. Um, I built all three of those because they're really cool. Fantastic, um, aren't they? A lot, Yeah, and a lot of people online bitching and whining about the gaps in the models, um, but I just um, held them together with a little like grip clamp um and made sure i used enough glue so that a little bit squeezed out which i then trimmed off with a hobby knife um a quick file and they look perfect so um i'm not sure what all the crying was about for push fit models though they did not go together well i've assembled a couple of um the night haunt no the night vault and underworlds um gangs because they're all oh. push fit some of them are a bit of a pain as you know the chain um, rafts are awful. So these guys go together really well for push fit. Like you don't need to use glue. Like legitimately, you don't need to use glue. I did because I want them to be stuck together forever. But the the fit... there, there have been some bits that I have not used glue for. Yeah, and it makes no difference. I at felt all. fine about it. And the for, f- for fiddly bits, I don't tend to mm. glue. Just okay. because if you glue and it starts to melt and it starts to deform <laughs> the parts that are really yep. fiddly anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I don't don't tend to glue those, and I just glue the shell around it as such. No, I was really impressed with how easily they went together, and no, no, again, no gaps, which has been brilliant. I finished up painting the Land Raider and the Rhino, though, that I was working on. Yeah, so I'm really pleased that they're done. I've I'm, I'm had those as a gift from uh, a whole bunch of you guys, actually, when we went to Warhammer World for organising a whole bunch of stuff. You all chipped together and bought me the, the limited... Uh, Warhammer World only set and it's nice to have them now fully painted and just need to be allowed to play 40k again and we can I can get them rolled out into a game which would be great. The standard O'Keefe don't paint your presents until like years later. Yeah absolutely I sell stuff for far too long <laughs> and I've been working on a secret terrain project as well which I won't get Ooh. into now but I started on some more terrain pieces because you know me I can't go two weeks without painting some 40k terrain and or I have a huge amount of it in the cupboard stashed away. <laughs> Nice. Bit, bit of both and uh, i think that after all of that what i needed to do was tidy my desk up so uh i actually also had to tidy in the house as well as the garage which was nice no way have you tidied your desk up yeah i, I actually moved the 3d printer from being on the desk with me to the garage um just cause it was easier i bought a little pop-up um one of those like photo booth things you know that you you take 
pictures in with like it diffuses the light or whatever photo booth is it yeah when i photo booth, people <laughs> think those things at weddings right they're like those little photo boxes that you take pictures in i just bought a really cheap material one off um, amazon and it's in the garage now which is great so it's freed up desk space for me to actually have project things on my desk in an organized way nice so yeah that, that actually helped me feel a little bit more enthused i've mentioned it before like i'm horrendously chaotic when it comes to hobby Work I'm, su- work, I'm super organised because I have to be. Hobby time, there's stuff everywhere. Tidy desk, tidy mind, or whatever the phrase goes. Allegedly that, but like, mm, chaotic deck, chaotic mind? I don't know. Maybe. I just have <laughs> Heretic. stuff everywhere. Heretic! <laughs> Please don't come around my house and burn me to death. I uh, it, it does feel good to get stuff organised, though, which is nice. I, I do it every now and then because the stuff builds up to the point where it drives me nuts. And because I'm working at this desk at the moment still, because I'm still working from home, um, I was too crowded in. So yet another hobby, hobby tidy up needed. Right. Shall we get on to talking about GW releases slash news, I guess, this time round? Sure. Right. So GW's uh, output. We'd better start with big news. and. I better start by retracting a statement that I made on the last episode. I believe, to quote me, I said, uh, standard tactical marines are dead <laughs> and unplayable in ninth, or something well, along those lines. at the time, you were completely correct. Yeah, so, so how's... To the... an extent, I still, um, I still believe in that statement. You do not, however... Yeah, I don't know how the politically uh, angled phrase is for that. Correct at time of publishing or something like that. Um, <laughs> yes. Correct as of. Correct as of. Um, so GW had to announce properly because um, people got hold of booklets in new repacked kits that there were some changes coming for Space Marines. Older Space Marines, the original Space Marines. Yes. And yeah, they're repacking them all into these new um, layouts where the instruction, the build instructions, which I really like this, the build instructions shows you a 3D render of all of the different weapon options and numbers them. And then it has a little chart down the side for each weapon exactly what that weapon does. Yeah, um, it has the prof- profiles for each weapon and, within the instruction book. And it has this little cool graphic profile as well where it's very very condensed and there's little pictures to say what all the stats are and as part of that as well it has all the unit stats like it has now and data sheets included and because they'd repacked some products and some people had managed to buy them somehow from certain shops that got restocked we know that there's some changes coming and then the gw did the full splurge on everything that's coming for new space marine well everything that's coming down the line for uh, the old space marines yeah, their their um, releases uh, on Warhammer Community just seems to be firefighting leaks at the moment. Yes, well, I don't know if this was a leak or someone actually got it from a from a product box. We're not entirely sure, or if someone at the pack had actually like you know pinched one. But the big Maybe. news, the big news for me that makes things change is that Space Marines across the board are getting two wounds, and Terminators are getting three. Yes, this is so... big news. You were actually in the midst of selling <laughs> selling your old stubby marines. Yes, um, I've I've since well I've since I, I did previously completely destroyed my old marine um, templar army to get all the bits off of them. Yes, um, and I am still under the impression that personally I think Primaris looks better, so I won't go back to smaller marines anyway because I think they look a bit. Um, strange in my yep. army next to primaris 
But I... um, you have put a hell of a lot of time and effort into your Ultramarines, and I guess you want to continue using it. And with two wounds for Marines, it's a small change, but it makes a massive difference. This is before points changes, though. Mm. So I'm sure they will change. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that they look better. I think the change will make them playable more than they were before. Um, because my main complaints about Space Marines were that they just died at the drop of a hat. I mean, I've mentioned it so many times in games where I've just had whole units hosed down by basically not that much firepower because of the one wound apiece. Now this may change. We'll have to wait and see for actually playing the games because weapon stats are changing as well. But it makes me hopeful. And yes, I cancelled my eBay sale of my Marines. Um, if in six months' time they're still unplayable because of points changes or whatever, I can always go back and do that again. I just didn't want to be without them. And I was quite upset when I listed them on eBay in the first place because, as you mentioned, put a lot of time into them. Um, I've had the Space Marines part for like nine years. Uh, it was an army that I worked on before and then repainted completely from scratch when 8th came out. That was my 8th edition project army, was to completely rejuvenate my Space Marine army. They've all got sculpted shoulder pads, they've all got conversions across the board, so I didn't really want to just get rid of them for not what they were worth. And obviously they're not worth that much money, but they're like sentimentally worth quite a lot. So it's nice to be able to hold on to them. Yes, I probably won't use them in that many games, but if I want to roll out just Ultramarines without having to go with the Fulminators as well, it's nice to have them there to play with. I have rhinos, and it seems like mobile squads and transport vehicle are going to be important. I don't really want to have to get another unit of intercessors and build and paint them in the Ultramarines colours and then get them an Impulsor. That's quite a heavy investment to just catch up with the meta. Not even the meta, we don't meta chase, but to catch up with the way the game is changing. Um, I have rhinos and tactical marines. If those things become an important part of the game, I can just stick a unit in a rhino or two in my list and and carry on without much effort, which just seems like a win for me. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I see the, the sentimental value of them. Hmm. And uh, if, if I hadn't bashed up my old marines for bits, then uh, I may consider, I may have considered using them as well. But further changes. Let's uh, let's go across the board. Let's see what's been released or leaked, so to speak. So heavy bolters have gone from uh, one damage to two damage, That's which is lot. massive. Yeah, considering yeah. they have three shots each, mm-hmm. three shots, strength five. I don't think they have an AP still. AP minus one. It's going to stick around. Oh, they do have an AP. Yeah, yeah. Oof. And uh, damage two. So they are horrifically good now. Damage three Flame. in the hands of a. Damage three in the hands of an Imperial Fist, mate, in that first turn. True. True. That Oof. devastated doctrine. Oof. Yeah. Flame Ranges. So they have gone from 9 inches to 12 inches, which is, yes, it's an extra Huge. 3 inches, but it is massive if you think about deep striking. They were and 8 uh, inches before, mate, not even 9. So you could never fire them when deep striking. It was, oh, it was miserable. Those yeah. heavy flamer terminators, what were they doing with their lives? They were the first casualties in a unit because it just did nothing. True, but uh, 12 inches means you can drop in and flame whatever you need to flame. So that is massive. And you'll always get overwatch if you want to spend your command point on that unit now because you can't charge yes. from more than 12 inches away. So you're always going to be able to do your your flamer hits. That's true. didn't think of that. Mm. That's nice. Power swords. So they have always been a bit meh in 8th edition they were kings in 7th 
eighth edition great AP, but uh, the the strength user wasn't great. Now they've been given plus one strength. That's huge. Which which makes them a lot more viable. Uh, I just took force axes all the time, uh, power axes all the time. Yeah. Just because it, it made more sense. But uh, with the plus one strength for power swords, they're back in action, which is always good. And chain swords seem to have gone the way of Primaris. So um, chain swords are now minus one AP, which if if you think of, of movie marines and video game marines, chain swords just completely bashing through They're just uh, horrific armor. weapons, yeah. Yeah. Um, having no AP made sense i guess for for the fact that they're on line troops but everything seems to have a, an ap value now and and chainsaws following the ap of uh, minus one just makes i guess a bit more sense it's worth pointing out that it's chainsaws wielded by astartes units though not um your guardsmen and your sisters etc that, that we know yes. of yet. these these are space moon changes yep. and they've tidied it up with plasma overheating now that it is a unmodified roll of a one that causes your plasma to overheat and the model to be removed as a casualty rather than a rather than a, a result of a one so if you're fly if you're firing at a flyer there's no additional risk to overcharging your plasma gun um, because of the difficulty of hitting your target which fluff wise makes sense you know if you're taking a risk with the plasma gun overheating it isn't more dangerous to shoot at something that's harder to hit it's not going to make the gun blow up more likely, if that makes sense. Um, Getting so... frustrated at Elder Rangers because yes. you can't hit them. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they said that um, when they changed them to hit modifiers, uh, that you couldn't have more than a minus one to hit uh, result on the dice. But I don't know if that how that worked with plasma or whatever. So now it's just nice and tidy that's coming down the line. It's just a roll of a one. Nice and simple. Yeah. Makes, makes complete sense. Uh, giving multi-melters two shots... I I have mixed emotions about this because um, they're going to be very I think expensive weapons. Well, I, I think if we if we um, bring up the next one as well, Melter has changed from uh, rolling two d six, picking the highest if you're in half range, to d six plus two. Mm. So I think combined with the two shots, Melter got a lot lot better. Yep. Especially multi-melters. Like multi-melters, yeah. I don't know how many points they're going to be, though. It worries me. That Storm Raven I built's got two of them strapped on the front, so... But if they're wielded by a Devastator old Marine, they might be cheaper. This is true, yep. And if you if you chuck in your Cherub under the wheels to get them to fire again, or whatever it is that lets you shoot twice, you know. Armorium Cherub for two shots. Four shots all of a sudden from a multi-melter seems pretty nice. Hit, hitting on twos with the uh, the Sergeant's yep. optical thing as well. Signum, Dave. It's called a Signum. Signum. Age of Signum. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, power Fists. No, so Power Fists are getting changed from D3 damage to flat damage 2. Uh, which I personally prefer. The average yes. is the same. Um, I would rather it consistently did two damage than you hope that it does three or hope that it doesn't do one. The damage two is is kind of a bit more reliable if you really want to chip stuff off of a big vehicle. And along the same lines, that means they pushed Thunderhammers up to damage four because that's what Thunderhammers needed. Yeah, and it, it brings the old Assault Terminators back oh, into play so as well. Good. I mean, Salamander... Assault Terminators are going to be feared across the world. Yeah. Because those things are going to be hard to kill with, what, uh, a one-up armor save, a uh, four-up invum. It's, uh, it's going to be horrific. Yeah. 
and then when they hit they're going to hit like a freight train because there's that new stratagem where you get plus one to hit with the terminators so they're hitting on threes again with their thunder hammers they're just going to make an absolute mess but it's not just the imperium that's getting love from games workshop unless you're the internet they've said everything's coming for xenos too Uh, they gave a few hints of some of the changes that will come in the necron codex which is nice um specifically they gave an example of the change to the death marks which i really like um making their guns more of an actual hard hitting sniper rifle like the models are supposed to be rather than some naff rapid firing gun that, that you know i spoke to um our friend dave and he said he's used a unit of 10 of them before several times to pop in out of nowhere and they just can't do anything they couldn't even kill no. like a low level character with a unit of 10 of them shooting at them so now giving them a bit more punch seems um Seems seems pretty good, and and some of the combat stats. I'd, I'd of... rather I'd rather half the unit and give them better guns than yeah. than having because they the, they just turned up with bolters. And Fancy bolters, not very yeah. Good. yeah. And looking at some of the stats of things that are in the Indomitus set, like some of that Necron stuff's pretty nasty. Like the, the destroy the combat destroyers are really rough in combat. So having everything get a little um, shunt upwards doesn't seem like a bad thing. I'm all for it as well because. Yes, it's great. We're we're Space Marine players, but it does seem a bit lopsided when Marines get everything and and the rest of the field drops away. I I don't want to turn up to a campaign weekend and just play Marines for every single game. No, you want some variety, so you want to make sure things are balanced. So hopefully they they manage that, and we'll see when the Necron Codex drops at the same time as the Marine ones. They'll be quite comparable, I think. Yep, uh, October, isn't it? Mm. And yet more updates to come out of them. Uh, power ratings got ad- adjusted. So, uh, yes, they did. Some went up, some went down. Um, but I liked that they said um, power ratings being updated so you can get ready for your Crusade games. Not like I think open play or whatever or narrative. They're specifically calling out Crusade. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling the hype um, that they're I th- building I think it's it. because uh, power level has uh, been neglected slightly because it was always seen as the lesser way to play. Yes. Even as us casual players, we still went with points because yep. it was more balanced. It was easier. So the fact that they're spending more time, they're promoting the power levels, especially with Crusade. Uh, I think they've invested some time into trying to balance it a yep. bit more and if they doubled the range of power levels and then adjusted it based on that, it might be even even better. Mm. But um, I'm 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 happy that they are looking at power levels and uh, are adjusting it accordingly, especially as we're looking to create our uh, crusade armies, of which I've done. I've got my crusade army. Oh, you planned out already? Now, yep, it's basically Indomitus plus a uh, few intercessors and the Invictor. Nice, all stuff that you've got. Exactly. Yep. And uh, that's what it's going to be. The Crusade Army is going to be what I've got painted. And because Games Workshop apparently hates me specifically, they released (laughs) uh, news of yet more Necromunda terrain, which I'm going to put down now. I am not going to buy. It's really, (laughs) really nice. You're not going to buy. It's Uh, already in your basket. (laughs) Shut up, you're lying. Um, It's the Necromunda Stronghold terrain. So this is for you in Necromunda terms to build your gang's stronghold, i.e. their home base. Um, so it's got lots. I.e. Of... another board tile for you. Yeah, it's just got lots of cool. Well, I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing of mine is glued down, so it will be more scatter pieces. But there are like modular walls and barricades and gates and a watchtower, and it's got that kind of ramshackle post-apocalyptic feel to it. 
Um, Tell you what, the uh, watchtower would go really well in your little crate compound area. No, Dave, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. I, th- I, don't, I, think I it don't would. need more terrain. Got enough. Got enough. You always need more terrain. Yeah, no, this is the problem, right? Yeah. But I think it looks or really cool. You could make it into an orc board and have it all as um, like looted stuff as well. I could because I've got the orc scatter pieces um, still to paint from the uh, Speed Freaks box set. So that is true. Mm, there you go. Yes, Do it. I need another project. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> or just make an armies on parade board then. Oh, no armies on parade this year though. So I've, no. been, I've been let off the hook on that one. Um, so get planning for 2021, I guess. Because now, August, now is when I'm in panic stations for Armies on Parade of, oh crap, <laughs> it's two months to go and I've done nothing. I started it in June, July, did a week's worth of not much and then left it for months on end. So uh, I've avoided that this time. Instead, I'm doing the same process with my Age of Sigma port instead. Nice. <laughs> definitely a pattern. That, is, that is a bigger project, to be fair. This is true. This is true. And, and you've, got a, you've got a consistent-ish vlog going so yeah consistent issues you, is you're generous. keeping up i mean it's keeping up appearances isn't it it is yeah <laughs> right shall we roll on some game uh some game news yes yeah, so we both played games this week do you want to start off with your kill team game yeah go for it it's uh it was nice to get back into playing a game and uh kill team's perfect for that so made sense to me so is this your first game since we went into lockdown yes it is so my brother-in-law is has joined our household, I guess is the correct terminology to use that. So he is now here. He's part of your bubble. Uh, no, even though he's, he's, he's here at the house all the time. So opportunity to play lots of games, which is good. Um, mm. We went for Kill Team to get back into the swing of things. Um, and uh, he hadn't bought anything with him that he could use because he, he bought projects to do, um, to build. Um, so he borrowed my Death Watch because he thought, what's better than... Uh, Death Watch for playing Kill Team with, seeing as they are in Kill Teams. And I rolled on with the Primaris because I actually wanted to use my uh, Fulminators in a game that wasn't uh, an absolute crapshoot in an alleyway, uh, which was my last experience using them. And Assume this didn't turn into a crapshoot in an alleyway. I mean, it was a crapshoot in an alleyway because Literally. we were shooting at each other in alleyways <laughs> because it's Kill Team. Um, we played a narrative mission because they're the most fun. Um, we did Disrupt Supply Lines which is a good one. Um, you have an attacker and a defender. The defender has like three objectives, I think, that they have to uh, protect and the attacker has to grab them and it's only the objectives that give you scoring points. Sure. And each one gives you a stratagem. So the defending player has a stratagem to uh, block the objectives from being blown up by the attacking player as long as they stand near them. And the attacking player has the opportunity to stand on objective, blow it up, and then get points for it, and then take it off the board so their opponent can't uh, claim it back, which is great. In game terms, um, it was an early push by the Primaris, so I was the attacker and had to get into his deployment zone where all the objectives were and grab them. Initial rounds of shooting was very effective because bolt rifles are really, really good. Uh, in kill team uh, the ap-1 is perfect and uh, the 15 inch rapid fire range uh, meaning you get in two shots and no minuses to hit at short range at 15 inches is a big big step up from a bolter yes and having two wounds means you can shrug off the return fire which is really nice do you get many primaris in in kill team i had six primaris i think um from my list so a sergeant and five guys there were six Death Watch members 
Um, they aren't as tough, but uh, they did come with frag cannons. So I had a good first Ooh. turn, and I managed to snipe off the heavy thunder hammer wielding um, kill team guy because uh, I tell you what's scary: a weapon where if they roll a six to wound you, it does a flat six damage. Which is heavy six, thunder hammer six rolls. saving throws or six uh, death throws or whatever they're called. They get six out of action rolls against you. Um, That's the one. So they're very, very likely to take that person out of action because they got hit by a two-handed Thunderhammer. However, uh, he never got to play the part of the game, which was great for me. Um, I then had to get my move on because you only have four to six turns in Kill Team to get those objectives. So you have to be really quick and you have to think, like, I've got to go, go, go. Um, so second turn, I did a lot of advancing, gave up a lot of shooting, um, which I thought was going to be fine, get myself in a good position. Um, unfortunately, the position was close to his frag cannons and those things doing 2d6 automatic hits at strength 6, AP minus 1 are incredibly messy. Yeah. <laughs> um... So the retaliating fire from them behind some cover was brutal, and I had to I had to run through it in order to get to the objectives. Right, um, crap shooting an alley. Yep. So one uh, intercessor made it through, uh, vaulted over some plasma conduits, and grabbed the objective at the back of the board to take the win. But it was nice. very close. The veteran sergeant and the kill team veteran sergeant uh, got locked in a never-ending duel. Um, because we couldn't we couldn't hit each so other. The Spider-Man meme of them pointing at each other. <laughs> yes, except they were pointing power weapons, which should have gone through each other's armor like butter, but apparently not. Take homes from me were that Kill Team is still so much fun. Even if you haven't played for ages, you just pick it up and go. It's really easy to get into. Um, the two wounds on the Primarist is massive um, in Kill Team because uh, you start taking flesh wounds even if you don't get out of action normally. Um, and Marines can shrug off the first flesh wound, but having Primaris where you've got two wounds to get through, and then you've got to take them out of action if you don't, you flesh wound them, which they can ignore because of the transhuman physiology, but they're just super durable. Is it just the first one they ignore? They ignore the first minus one, yeah. yeah. Which is which is the key, because most other most other units, once you start piling on those minus ones and minus ones for terrain, etc., you can't hit anything, really. Um, but the Primaris can just keep up that rate of fire. And frag cannons are horrendous. Uh, JP took two of them, which was mean. Um, I've only ever played with one. Um, but they do actually have quite an interesting um, choice because they have that 2d6 auto hits, which is great because you are going to hit your opponent and take them out. Um, yep. What? Well, well, you're going to wound them, sorry, but you're not necessarily going to take them out of action because it's one out of action roll, which is just a four up because it's only a damage one weapon, so you only roll once. Whereas the frag cannon solid shot option, you only get two shots... Um, but it's damage two, so two um, out of action rolls. Two out of action rolls, which is so yeah. much more reliable. Yeah, you know, you're you're talking like a massive increase in chances. I think it's really worth it sometimes if you want to take someone out of action. Uh, if someone's charging you, you overwatch them with the auto hits because it just makes a mess. But if you're actually shooting at somebody at range, even at medium range, um, I I would be inclined more to take those solid shots. Um, but mm-hmm. then you've got minuses to think about and how many times. So there's quite a lot of choice involved in using frag cannon. It isn't just auto frag them. And the hectic terrain makes makes the game just really great. Like I made, we made sure we put loads of terrain on the board, which at one point I was about, Sight oh. lines are massive. Yeah, there were so many decisions of like, and there were loads of corners as well, where you had two people, you had two guys with bolters or bite roll, bite roll, bolt rifles around the corner from each other. Neither of them wanted to move because they'll be exposing themselves to the other one. So there was quite a lot of like, 
toing and froing and you had to go different directions round in order to avoid people. So having the busy terrain actually really made for a more interesting game rather than just person A shoots at person B. But uh, yeah, great game to get back into gaming and uh, I guess next week we're going to try and wrap in a 40k game, get some 9th edition going. Yep. So I need tiny pointers from you on this. Well, 9th edition, now that you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had my first game of 9th edition um, just this week, actually. Awesome. I played with my Necrons, so that's why I was trying to get them built up. Yes. And I played against Primera Space Marines, so a very tough first game for mm-hmm. the Necrons. Read up on, on them, read the Codex, read the uh, Indomitus rules, because they're obviously Indomitus Necrons, so they've got mm-hmm. the rules in their booklet. Um, and on top of that, we're playing a new format, a new board size, which was, it was very small, very cramped, because mm-hmm. we played um, uh, Incursion. Um, right. So that's that's between 500 and 1,000 points, because I think uh, my army was 955, I think that was the Indomitus Necrons. Okay, yep. Um, and in ninth edition, the missions are based on the game size that you're playing. So we had to play from one of the incursion missions, and we had forward push, which was quite cool. So in ninth edition, the objectives are in set locations, which yes, like is key because it makes games a lot fairer, mm-hmm. and uh, it means that the objectives can be. Um, very important in the game and because they're important in the game because they're in set locations it, it it balances the whole thing i really like this change i mean i've gotten fed up at so many games at warhammer world where we've gone to events and i've been like yeah this building looks important i'm putting an objective in there and the opponent's like i'm putting it six inches from my back line of my tower so you can't get it and i'm like cool yeah cool exactly so uh, this was one of the reasons why i really liked um itc rules at the end mm-hmm. of um, eighth edition because you had set objectives um another thing you had is secondary objectives which you have. now have in ninth edition so that yeah. was very important as well it all contributes to a much fairer game and even if you are um, a casual player playing against someone with a ridiculously good army um, not not that this was, but um, uh, it, it it balances it to an extent that you actually have a chance rather mm. than just getting your, your ass shot off the board. Um, especially with points being so um, prevalent and, and you get so many points. So if your opponent tables you and you've built up a big enough lead, tough, you win. Yeah. Yeah, so I played my Indomitus Necrons and um, Matt played uh his primaris marines and he Very brought nice. along his new executioner oh everyone loves the executioner so oh. i've played an executioner before yes, uh, against uh, bill morlock wasn't it and yes with the eternal shooting phases <laughs> had yeah five minute shooting phase and destroyed our armies thanks bill um yeah so with such a cramped board because uh, it was the incursion mission, mm. we had a lot of terrain, which meant that the executioner had to keep moving. Nice. Which meant it did not get to fire its main weapon twice. That's really nice. That's that's called game balance. It is. And it's, it was good. And it meant that my stuff did not all die. A lot of my stuff died to its main shooting. But the fact that it didn't get to fire that weapon twice... Helps uh, a lot. Helped me. Mm. So um, I had read up on all the the Necron stratagems and the Necron stuff, and it was all fresh in my memory. And I had a plan in place to deal with the Executioner. 
the executioner turned out to be the least of my worries when okay. the uh, when the primarist um shooting face turns up because uh yes the executioner i can get out of line of sight with but um the rest of his army i cannot uh you forget how good primarist shooting is until you face it again it uh it was horrific and he was uh ultramarines so he was Ooh. uh he had a few shenanigans up his sleeve yep. and, and a few um ultramarines shenanigans as well i'm going to caveat this next bit with the fact that overwatch is a stratagem yes and you can only use it once per phase or once per yes. i guess overwatch phase um that is massive and completely game um it can turn a game on its head Ultramarines have a stratagem, which means um, they get the Tau suppressive they fire. They become Tau. Yeah, they become Tau yep. for a term. Yep. And uh, yeah, so it d- technically is not an Overwatch sequence as well. Oh, they so, can do that and they can do Overwatch at the same time? Yeah. Oh, I love Ultramarines. <laughs> They're so broken. <laughs> it was it was brutal, um, which, which meant a lot of my stuff died as, it, as soon as it was running in. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very uh, good game. Uh, I've got a few takeaways. You still need to kill Necrons dead. Right, yeah. So you know the big uh, War of the Worlds um, walker? Reanimator type thing, yeah. Yep, exactly. That's what it's called, the reanimator. Oh, right, okay. Um, I knew that. Yep. Um, that thing, on paper, is a bit... Meh. I mean, it's 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 tough. It's not very high toughness. It doesn't have many wounds. Um, it looks big. It looks, looks scary, mm-hmm. but yep. you can just destroy it with one shot. However, the special rule that it gives, the plus one to reanimation protocols, is massive. Mm. So I had um, a few Necron warriors dead across the board. And this thing was was just reanimating Necrons uh, left, right and center. So you actually uh, use its ability in the command phase, which okay, is yep. the new, new phase for ninth mm-hmm. edition, which uh, means that you can't um, use it your first turn if that makes sense so obviously there's there's nothing dead before the start of the game so you right, use yeah. yeah it comes from turn two onwards yeah so you have to on turn one you sort of have to predict where your casualties are going to be yes but yeah i mean warriors have uh re-roll ones for reanimation protocols right off the bat nice. and then with the plus one to reanimation protocols they're they're uh, four up re-rolling ones that's pretty good which, it's which more than means half they're, they're coming back yeah yeah well, it would be if I could roll <laughs> anything. Um, also, um, my will be done um, mm-hmm. yep. is still very good. Uh, I think it's... Uh, I haven't got the rules in front of me. I think it's still the, the plus one to hit. I wrote it. It's very good, and I can't remember what it was. It's plus um, one to hit to a unit, isn't it? You pick a unit. It's... Uh, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it is. And, and giving uh, Necron Warriors hitting on twos... Yeah, it's good. ...is very good. Um, I have to say, I have taken mainly the long-range um, guns. I think that's the right choice with Necrons. Yeah, so I've gone for a 7 to 3 ratio in okay. both my units. Um, just because if they do get up close, I want that, uh, like an Overwatch firepower yep. coming in. Um, but the longer-range guns are only 24 inches, so the rapid fire is only 12. But when they do get into rapid fire range, they do a lot of damage, especially with uh, the minus APs across the board. Mm-hmm. The new units, the destroyers, the tripods things, are very good as well. Right, yeah. Um, Matt was very scared of those and killed off all but um, the guy with the, the big scythe, the two-handed one. Yes. 
So they have a little uh, booster unit, like a cherub sort of thing, but it's called a plasma site. And it boosts um, strengths and attacks by one. Oh, wow. That's good. So I uh, needed to kill off the executioner. So um, it was it was wounded at this point. Um, and I managed to get this lone destroyer in, use the plasma site. I think I used a stratagem as well. Um, so he was wounding it on threes instead of fives. That's massive change. And uh, destroyed his executioner. Good job. Which was massive because the executioner is a lot of points now yes and i was very scared of his army but then as soon as that tank went i outnumbered him three to one or so mm. and uh yeah he was he was the key is he was taking wounds off because uh he was only taking models off he wasn't taking the units off yes um because i was unfortunately for him i was getting them all back up again um i couldn't um uh, hit with guns uh, I was destroying everything in close combat because the Scorpec Lord, who's the the massive guy on the tripod on the tripod legs, yep. he was decapitating people left, right, and centre as well. So my close combat was really good. The guns were okay; they were good with the might will be done, um, but my reanimation protocols were hit and miss sometimes i'd get like four up and then sometimes i get one up i think that's how it seems to be with necrons though which is kind of good you don't want them always getting back up all the time because then your opponent's going to get miserable and you don't want to fail all the time because then you'll get miserable so having a bit of a swing adds a bit more interest to the game it was it was very swinging we were both trying out um new uh, new way to play and matt's yep. matt's relatively new back to 40k and obviously ninth edition is mm -hmm. completely new um, and it was the first time he'd used his executioner um, and then obviously i'm using necrons for the first time and first time playing ninth edition so we wanted to keep it very um fairly simple hmm. but ninth edition is very very high scoring yes so um in uh, ninth edition, it seems to be quite common across all of the missions. You get a um, a mission objective, yeah, and obviously you've got all of your other secondary objectives as well as a mission secondary objective. If that makes sense, yeah. I mean, you've got a potential of fifteen points from uh, just the mission objectives, um, and then the primary objective gives a potential of fifteen as well. Plus all your secondary, which mm. gives a, a random number of uh, points. Yep. So it actually ended up 40 to 35. That is close, though. Um, to, to myself. Um, Matt did get the extra 10 victory points for having a painted army as well. <laughs> oh, and you didn't, yeah, because you hadn't finished everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shake my head in you, Dave. Yes. I, I I hadn't I don't think I well, I hadn't based any by this point and I think I'd only oh, done wow. the armor on half the army so no. <laughs> yeah I shake my head as well shameful but uh, no it's very fun I thoroughly recommend ninth I want to get a load that's more that's good because that's the edition we're stuck with <laughs> for the next three yeah. years exactly but no no I eighth edition started off a bit because uh, it was a huge leap from seven yes whereas ninth just seems like a, an 8.5 it's, yep. it's just tacked on streamlined a few bits tacked on a few bits and uh, i tell you what it's done it's it's balanced out the games before the armies yeah right so the actual games and missions themselves seem a lot more balanced now it's just going to come before, down to army choices before, yeah before you put the armies on the table exactly oh good I'm glad it was good, man. I'm looking forward to getting my first one in. Shall we roll on to talking about bases, since it's your favouritest topic in the whole world? Yeah, is there, is there anything I haven't covered yet? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'll just I'll just cut and paste the things you said during your hobby progress, mate. And that's our that's our topic. So yeah, basing is as I have advertised my least favorite part of doing the model because I've already finished the model. But the you haven't finished bit, it, Dave. You haven't finished it. That's what you said. That's what Matt said. Matt says his favorite part is basing. When I was I actually brought up the fact that I needed to base the Necrons. Nice. I mean, favorite uh, would be pushing it for me. I wouldn't say it's favorite, but you you could do a lot with the basing and really just cap everything off. Correct. You can do a lot with the basing. I love good-looking bases. Don't get me wrong. It's the process and the fact that I've got to do it to finish the model. Yeah. It's it's almost like it's it's how people hate doing um, the decals and stuff. Oh, I love decals. I love transfer work. Yeah, so, so some yeah, people yeah. hate it. Yeah. Um, just because it's like extra faff. Yes, it looks faff. amazing once you've done it, faff. and basing looks amazing once you've done it. But it is a lot of faff, and it takes like it, it adds on an extra like hour to do the unit. This is true. Think about this. We thought we'd go through kind of a couple of the different ways to approach basing. You already mentioned it, actually. You can't, sometimes you can't beat the old school sand on PVA. I've gone right back to it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I did it on the objective markers that I did. Because I wanted to do something super simple. I was like, just crack out the PVA, sand, PVA again to seal everything in and paint it. That right there is is a great place to be starting. And actually, do you know what? The, the basing video that Darren Latham did, Darren Latham basing video is essentially that actually similar story how i decided on my necron bases was going they look really nice from games workshop how did they do that go onto the citadel app sand Ah, i was like yeah revolutionary yeah well i just assumed it was um texture paints and stuff and texture paints can be a faff sand and pva i find very simple and very good Yep. Sand sand and PVA and then spray over the top leaves leaves a, a perfectly flat surface for um nondescript and simple bases. Yeah. And if you're gonna go old school, and when I say old school, I'm talking like old school for us. I'm not talking your mid nineties goblin green if goblin green shows up on your bases, look man, you enjoy your hobby the way you enjoy it, oh. but that for me is just too far. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Static grass. Static grass. I don't no. I don't miss using static grass on bases. The old days of blobs of PVA and put the static grass on then like blow it in the hope that you can make it stand up and look like grass. Like I don't miss that. No, no, I'm I remember doing uh Moria Goblins. Oh with, uh I I think it was like Woodland Scenics uh what's the crap that goes underneath tracks? Um like a rubble. Um Oh, you ballast? Yes, ballast. Did yeah. ballast straight onto the bases, didn't paint them, and then did green static grass Ooh, over the top. That's dated. Uh, brown, brown rims, not goblin green no, well, rims. You, that's okay. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was my first ever basing, and I don't think I've ever gone back to static grass. No, for me, that's the classic way of basing it, because it's essentially how I based my first, like, what, four or five armies in the early 2000s. Modern version of that which is the one that GW likes to push regularly, but I'm glad to hear they had variety in the app, is the use of texture pastes. And that's because they sell their own texture pastes. And you can buy others from Vallejo, etc. And you can even make your own. But, you know, it is just grit and paint and glue in a really convenient little pot where it's all ready to go for you. And it's 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 the, the simplest way, I think, of, of getting your bases done without a hassle. 
Yep. I mean, if the model is not on the base, texture paints are really easy. Texture paints fall down when the model's on the base and you're trying to get it round feet and legs and stumps and yes. all sorts. I find that really annoying and all the time I've saved by doing by using a texture paint, I've wasted trying to get it round this guy's foot. You know how you keep your, uh, keep that easy? Uh, a damp brush or a little brush and a pot of water on standby so that if you get some on the feet, you can very quickly get the wet brush on there and just wipe it away. And it does wipe away quite easily with a damp brush. There you go. And if you're going to go down this modern approach, what is the modern replacement for the pain in the bum that was static grass? Grass tufts, tufts which is basically static grass stuck in glue. It's yep. the same thing, just the hassle has been done by somebody else. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I really like tufts. And like I said, I so use good. them on the Necrons. I've I'm using them on the Templars as well. They're really they're really simple and effective. They are, and I shocked myself the other week when I had um, a, a tidy up of my drawers in my desk and put all of my gamers grass tufts in one box because for me they're the best tuft makers i have spent quite a bit of money on grass tufts over the years apparently (laughs) um, because i have many many different types in the box so i've got plenty to choose from when basing a model but they are they do cost a little bit more because you're paying someone to you know make all the glue splodges put the the tufts in and make sure they stand up properly but they just look so good and when you say you've got plenty of variety, um, don't tell me you use all of them. I bet you go back to the same ones over and over again. I mean, I have used most of them in different varieties. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a favourite. I don't have a favourite. Um, but I try and do my tufts in like an off colour to what the base is so that they stand out and they add a bit of visual variety. And that's what the tufts are best for. Two things. Breaking up a boring looking base and making it look interesting. Uh, two, hiding any mistakes you did during the basing part. If you um, were doing a dry brush but didn't clean your brush properly and put a splodge of paint on instead of a dry brush, um, just stick a tuft over it. Uh, you've got some you've got some basing material on the foot and you can't now get it off. Um, stick a tuft next to the model's foot so it looks like it's stepping on a bit of grass instead. All these things can be... Uh, you can get rid of so many errors with a grass tuft. It's, it's the purity seal or pouch yes. of uh, basing. <laughs> yes, it is. And then the real easy path, I think, in terms of um, time involved, um, although I don't like pinning them so much, is to use resin bases. Now, this is something that you already admitted you were a mega fan of before. I I still do love resin bases. I know people find them a faff and the whole pinning thing, but for me that really likes a detailed base usually um, and isn't a fan of making those bases yep. resin is the way to go um yes it takes a lot longer to paint but the fact that it's already made all of the textures there the um the often very intricate designs are already there and you don't have to do any of it yourself and the, the money that you spend on resin bases you would have uh, paid out for materials and the time and the research and the the yeah, different things that you would have looked up it uh, it it saves a lot of yeah time and i used to do it for campaign weekends as well so i didn't a i didn't like basing and b I was spending um, a lot of time procrastinating and then (laughs) working out that it was only a few more weeks or a month until the, uh, until the campaign weekend. So resin bases were usually a quicker alternative than making fancy bases myself. While I don't like working with them, and I've said that before, um, one big plus is I actually like that they weigh a little bit more. 
and they make yeah. the model a little bit more stable um just to the added added weight at the bottom smaller bases 25 mil bases yes. when you had uh top heavy models were very good the issue came when i used uh resin bases with metal models and then the whole thing just weighed an absolute ton no i can see i can see that the one issue i also take with resin bases is actually picking ones that are suitable for putting models on because so often i've seen <laughs> resin bases and i've been like oh, they look really cool if you don't stop and think you might just buy them without thinking about where the heck do you put the model it needs to have enough flat surface for you to glue the model onto so it doesn't look like the model just hovering on a log or something so i've seen one manufacturer who puts so much stuff on their bases yeah they look cool but you the model just looks like it, it looks like the model is standing on top of the base rather than the base being part of the model which which i really don't like there is a fine line between a gaming base and a scenic base and uh, finding out that you've just tried to base your entire 30k salamanders army on a junk yard that doesn't have any flat surfaces can be a bit painful <laughs> been there then yeah yeah my my 30k salamanders were on top of an industrial rubble pile the bases were really cool and really intricate and i could have done a lot with them if i had like a spider army where the legs could go everywhere right, yeah. Uh, not so much flat flat marines, especially when I had a contempt of dreadnought and there was just no flat surfaces at all. It didn't look great. And a different approach to basing that I think kind of borrows from all of the ones we've talked about so far is to raid your bits box and a mishmash of you can get some resin mini pieces that go on bases like um, you bought the skulls and candles for example um, i've got one of the old gw pots of resin random bits including helmets and discarded weapons you can mm. take weapons and gear from your bits box ter terrain kit leftovers i've got so many random leftover bits of like the sector mechanicus terrain i could easily make up some pretty cool bases and you can get a bit fancy with it then I think you can you can make them look individual without the hassle of dealing with resin bases. It's kind of like a happy in-between because you can use these little elements and then bury them in sand, for example, to get them to stay on the base. Which is exactly what I did for my Thousand Suns. Yes. So I bought the Egyptian bits from Green Stuff World mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the bigger characters and the, the bigger models have um, chunks of these resin pieces on very simple sand bases. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry sandy bases because i don't think i use sand for for that also for the thousand suns the rest of the model was made with um green stuff rollers as well yes these are a new so discovery is, it's a it's a good way to create a thematic base um using clay or green stuff mm -hmm. or even just bits so i use the egyptian roller from green stuff world for the thousand suns and i basically had like bits of wall section with hieroglyphs and images all buried in the sand like it was complete uh, rubble but i've yep. seen um complete sort of towel flooring districts or masonry bits and um especially with like D, &D dungeon tiles as mm -hmm. well a lot of people use them for um just D, &D like flagstones yeah i mean i bought one for the sisters of battle um to do their basing it's uh it's one of those textured rollers and you've got two choices really one you can do it on a large flat single piece kind of like you did with the thousand suns but rather than breaking it up like you did you can get circle cutters that work like a cookie cutter so you just cut out uh, uh, the circles let it set and then glue them on top of the base 
Um, some people actually push the green stuff on top of the base and then roll the roller over it to imprint the texture. Um, I don't like doing that because I can never guess the amount of green stuff correctly, which is a big problem with using green <laughs> stuff anyway. And it always overflows over the edge of the base and mine always look crap when I've done that. So I'm more of the uh, roll it and cut it approach. But there are so many choices now. And green stuff world are the king of these. Um, they really, really are. They've got something like 60 different designs now. From everything yeah. from fantasy to sci-fi, industrial. The Sisters of Battle one I bought has got Ferdalese all over it and looks like a ruined chapel. Like It's really, really cool options. And, great for dioramas as well. Yeah, I mean, I used it on that 10 by 10 challenge for the Encounter Terrain True. Instagram yeah. thing I did to, to try it out. And um, yeah, you can use... Uh, if you bought like a non-specific one like cobblestones or... Uh, masonry type thing you could use it on display bases terrain pieces there's all sorts of things you can do so it does go beyond just doing your basing really so they, they're really 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 good um, and i think you can kind of mishmash all this together and do things in layers because i've seen a lot of people build their bases up um so they might have like uh, a gravel especially on big bases this works really well something like a dreadnought size base that's uh, 60 mil i think yeah. having a lower level and then a medium level and having the model kind of stand on both levels or something to kind of make bigger models look less boring on their bases because your necron intimidating. Base, <laughs> your necron base is like having the 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 plain base actually works really well with necrons because it fits their theme but if you had uh like a, a knight or whatever standing on a base that is just flat sand it will start to look a little plane you need some variance in there whether it's multiple heights of stuff or an object on the base to kind of break it up and make it look a little bit more interesting than just um a glued down sheet of sandpaper kind of look someone who's a master of this is have you seen thunderwolfen on instagram with his soul hunters no his... it sounds good oh you his need name's to... thunderwolfen you need... and he has just he makes soul hunters that's like as 40k as it gets his Custom Primaris chapter soul hunters are not the not the best painted on Instagram, but I think they are the best Primaris chapter on Instagram. Ooh, bold. Yeah. That's a bold statement. Well, no, no, it's it's true. It's fact. It's fact. It's fact. It's my opinion, which is fact. Well, you've, you've um, no, been on Facebook, his, Instagram. Yeah, exactly. His um, bases are really well done. He's built up multiple layers and with like corkboard fat corkboard so it's like um pieces of concrete masonry with um wires and pipes and stuff coming out of them but they're all on different levels and all of his bases look individual cool and he has a really cool redemptor dreadnought actually on two um different parts of um i guess concrete or masonry but uh it adds to this this layer effect where he's got the model on two separate layers and he's the base is on a a third um layer or the the, the ground um bit of the base is on the on a third layer so he does the layering technique for bases very well and I think also certain armies really lend themselves to a thematic base so the immediate one that jumped to mind is when you were talking about doing your Krieg stuff, when you, the few models you did buy from your Death Corps. Doing them, <laughs> it almost demands that you do them on a trench um, effect base or like no man's land mudfield base. Like, yep. Because their flavour of the warfare that they fight is they just fight attrition based siege, uh, trench warfare. That's what they do. 
it screams out to have a base that has that kind of theming to it. So, you know, broken up coffee stirrers or balsa wood or whatever to make trench boards, um, really mud muck to make the the look of the, the, the no man's land. Um, or like Valhallans, if you if you had a Valhallan army, not that you can even get the models anymore. Um, you've got to have them on a snowy base. I mean, you could have them fighting on a desert for the lols, but like they look their best <laughs> when they're fighting on like a, 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 a big glacier or something like that. Yep, having a base built on the background of the army uh, is is usually the way to go if you're stuck for ideas. Like you said, my Krieg army, that was the first army I think I built proper bases for, Mm. where I thought about the theming. Um, You also get it with with salamanders on their lava bases. Oh yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, um, in fact, that actually might be the first. The first one I built was for my old salamanders army. But using the background for the army to build the base tells the story and especially with bigger bases you can build up the um the background and you can build up the place where they might be fighting um and i i love doing bigger bases i hate doing basing for infantry yes I, less I interesting should, yeah i should i should really um put a little asterisk next to i hate basing Whereas doing basing for larger models, I find quite cool and interesting. Yeah, because it's a mini diorama or a mini mini like project of its own. Yeah, and and with with um, Krieg, I had um, the trench systems, but I also had the the mud in there and a few bases with half trench, half mud. Nice, yeah. But but moving on to the next point, I really tied them into the basing with um, weathering, so they had mud all over their boots. This is key. Um, some of them had um, bits sticking out of like um, horrible chemically uh, green puddles. Nice. Um, because my Krieg were, were um, like um, chemical warfare specialists. So they had um, like the Bane Wolves. Nice, yep. Instead of Hellhounds. And they had um, the like the poisonous shells mm-hmm. um, firing. And obviously they're all in gas masks. So it makes makes sense. Um, but yeah, using the bases to interact with the models for weathering and for like sinking into mud yeah. and for like um, sometimes with zombies, you can make them go further by having st- them coming out of the ground and only using yeah. their torso. That's a classic. That's an absolute yeah. classic. Uh, that, was, that was a classic. Yeah, I think I think interacting with bases and showing that they're actually there on the base you said it earlier that they are part of their base they're not standing mm. on a base i didn't do this with my ultramarines which i kind of regret um i used the well, in fact from all my imperium stuff so far i used the sector mechanicus bases because they look really cool um mm-hmm. with all the tread plate and uh, all the wiring that's in the flooring and stuff the problem is the models stand on top of it now they do because they're walkways and there's not a lot you can do but i think i need to kind of at some point as like an army-wide project like put them all out and kind of think of a way of tying them into the bases whether it's just i put it's a my bit of... it's, it's actually my issue with those bases that's why i've never used yep. them i like the look of them but yes you are just it just looks like everyone's standing in a ship's yeah. corridor i need to like put some dust wash on the base and then a little bit of dust wash on their feet or something like that to kind of blend them into each other because at the moment maybe they a do... bit of osl that's the effort mate there's like 60 odd bases to do yeah but like a just having if there's like a red light you can just uh, overspray a bit onto the leg and you're done yeah maybe not 
okay. I think something lazy like a wash would work better. Well, they're not. They're, 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 all the stuff, all the detail is recessed into the flooring, so all the wiring and pipes and stuff are in the floor, so you can't really get to it very well. Especially once you put the model on the base. That was the other problem I found with those bases. Uh, the Marines, because they got ripped off of their previous bases, I did all the bases separately and then glued the Marine on. I thought, this is really easy. Um, the primary stuff when I did it, I glued the model on the base, sprayed it, primed it, and then couldn't get the brush down into all the grooves to get to the details. So, yeah, I think planning out your basing um, when you start doing your army is also a good tip um, and not to kind of panic at the last minute as to what you want to do because it might be too late to sort it out. <laughs> which is my problem. Certainly. But I think the other thing about picking the right basing for your army, aside from is there a heavy theme you can lean on, is what you mentioned about colour. Um, and I know that this is something that GW actually started to cover a lot in a, in a lot of the videos towards Duncan's uh, end of time at GW. Is <laughs> the, there end loads, <laughs> the end times. The end times are nice. Um, he did a whole bunch of stuff where he talked about making sure you pick the right color for your bases. If you've got a dark model, put it on a light base so that it stands out because the base is there to tell a story and finish the model, but it's also to frame the model. Yep. Personally, I always like black rims on all of my bases. Um, yep, same here. Because I, I just think it separates from the tabletop. It looks really nice. It's personal preference. I was on a hobby group today, the Luke's APS group, actually. Someone had used his Necron basing material which is a black sand with like green gl glass crystals in it. it looks really cool um and the person was like i've put this on a base i've painted the rim black um and now it just looks like it's just one unpainted base because everything's black and i was like ah okay that's a good point where you may want to change the base rim even just the base rim color do it a nice mid-gray or something so that the, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like you didn't paint the base and stuck a few crystals on or something like that. And I think that getting the color balance right on your bases can make the difference between a model that looks all right and a model that looks really, really good. Yeah, co color contrast as well. Depending on the theming you're going for, yeah. color contrast is, is key. Having a uh, light miniature on a darker base brings yeah. it out and vice versa, having a darker miniature on a lighter base uh, brings it out some styles of painting will will contribute to one or the other um for example like the blanchitsu style a lot of that is rusty and browns yes. and reds and often the base is part of the model so they yep. look exactly the same um the grim dark style you've got very dark models and they usually have very dark bases to to contribute to that as well um and then you've got the um the classic style where you've got really bright colors and Yes, you often have like goblin green flocked bases. <laughs> so it's very, very bright and, and, and it, it just all depends on your style. Your base preference is going to be the preference that you'll likely use for most of your armies. So we can say all this. We can show all sorts of techniques and hobby tips and, and uh, say how that we've done it and we can share pictures and you can find pictures on Instagram. But at the end of the day, just like painting, it all comes down to personal preference. Yeah. It's, the, it's the time versus money versus um, the can't be bothered attitude versus the really want to excel at basing attitude. It it all is based on yourself. Yeah. I mean, it can be it can actually be a thing people are known for. Like every time someone mentions basing, I always think of Dan, our friend who runs the Bearded Gamers podcast. He is king of basing. Like yeah. every single army has. Like, I, I remember his basing schemes 
um, sometimes more than I do his armies, because he's made it like his thing, right? He's, he's really going to town on the bases because he enjoys it. And I think you're right. You've got to find what works for you, like with everything in the hobby, right? Right. Find what works for you and and focus on that, and and don't feel pressured. If you want to have a plain sand base because you hate basing and you just want it to finish the model off and get gaming, then just go for a dry brush sand base. Heck, that's how I used to do all my armies back in the day, and there's there's no shame in it at all. Mm-hmm. Right, you mentioned hobby tips. Should we round off with one just to get things finished? Sure. What have you got this week? Tank tracks. Ooh. Are you building them? Are you telling people how to build those old rhino tracks? Oh, good God. So I, so this did come from me doing the Primaris Rhino and the Land Raider. I built me a lot of rhino kits in the past. Uh, this, this is, is Primaris f- before Primaris, that is. This, sorry, this is, yeah, rhino. It's called a rhino Primaris, but you can't put Primaris models in it just to really confuse things. <laughs> they came up with that name first. It's the new modern Rhino kit, whereas all the other ones I built were the old school ones, where all the tracks have locators, so they're very easy to build. So there are no, there are no more need for tips on how to build your tracks. I built ten Lehman Russes back in the day with the old track configuration, and it was an absolute pain. I'll put that save you save <laughs> well you done. bleeping. But how do you paint them? And obviously, most of the time it's metallics. What I found is that in the past it was taking me forever to finish the tracks and tracks for for tanks are the basing of the tank for me it's the last thing i paint is the tracks i paint everything else and then i paint the tracks and i got frustrated by having to be so meticulous with the silver um so as not to get it on other parts of the model because silver metallic paint is one of those things where if you get them on another part of the model it's very hard to hide it even if you water it down and water, try and wash it away it leaves little Still metallic, metallic flakes sheen. that yeah. sheen doesn't go so I was one day doing something else and I had the masking tape out on the table and I thought to myself, why not masking tape the the tanks? And it's been a massive saver for me because I always do the basic of base paint it lead belcher, wash it usually null oil and then dry brush it um, because I like to keep them fairly plain on most of my tanks. And it was just making a hell of a mess of the tank or taking me forever. So now I spend literally no more than five minutes I use the 6mm Tamiya masking tape because you get shed loads of it and it's really, really good. Never ruins the paint underneath. It's the best stuff. And I just mask the uh, hull that runs alongside the, the tank tracks and then I can go to town with a wide brush for basing it with the silver. Uh, with a lead belt, it takes no time at all to do the tracks. When you do the wash, you haven't got to worry about it splashing over onto the hull, especially if you've got a light-coloured vehicle. You know, you're painting white scars, rhino. You do not want to get null oil all over your white hull. Because again, yeah. you can't get rid of it once you've, done, once you've done that. And then when you do the dry brush, uh, dry brushing is messy at the best of times. Having masked everything off, you can just quickly run the dry brush across the tracks um, and pick out that highlight and you're done really fast. That is how I do most of my tank tracks. If you want to get fancy... And uh, should we say take it to the next level to sound like we're a bit more serious about it? Uh, <laughs> advanced techniques. Advanced techniques. I like it. You can actually like make the tracks look dusty. Again, based on the basing theme. And I would tie this in with what you've done with your basing. Uh, rusty, oily. All these kind of extra effects are washes that you can put on the tracks after you've done your base metallics. A big fan of using pigments to do this. So pigment powders. Um, on my... Uh, plague burst crawler i did for my death guard i jammed those tank tracks full of textured pigment paste so they looked all 
they would never go round, right? They were just covered in rusty grime. Rusting, and corroded, it just, yeah. They looked horrible, but they looked really good for that. I mean, you don't have to go to that level. Just a simple rust wash or something like that might do the trick. And if you want to get extra, extra fancy, you can go in with these dusty washes of pigment powders. They look really good. To bring back the metallic sheen, you go full Forge World um, and you use pencil lead. Nice. That's what they nice. do. And they don't even run the pencil along the tracks because that would be quite a hard edge highlight. What they do is they right. scrape it with a hobby knife to make a pencil dust or lead, you know, graphite dust. Use their finger, dip it in, and then they rub that over the tracks and it, 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 it applies a nice even layer to the top of the tracks like a dry brush with your finger. Why and, the finger? Um, so it doesn't get down into the recesses. It, on a brush, it would go everywhere. Um, and it's got that kind of graphite has that kind of slippery texture to it, right? Doesn't it? Is mm-hmm. so putting it on your finger, rubbing it across the tank tracks is just the easiest way of doing it, and that's how they do it. Okay. And it looks really good because it's kind of this muted metallic, which which works great for the vehicle tracks. And the other thing you can do with the pigment powders is you can actually create like the mud effects um, with them. So I've seen people mix it with like gloss mediums. So like your Ard coat from GW. Um, to make it look wet. To make it look wet like mud. And they just jam it in the track so it looks like the tank's just driven over a muddy field. If you've got like your Deathcore, for example, they've got muddy tren- trench bases. Um, having your tanks look like they just drove through the same battlefield um, would look really good. Or snow. I've seen people put snow on their tank tracks as well. Yeah. Just st- yeah. stipple a bit of the Val- Valhallen Blizzard or um, Snowflock if that's what you've got. Um, in the tank tracks to make it look like your winter-themed army, the tanks are actually driving through the mush itself. It doesn't take it doesn't take much effort, and it looks really, really good. And again, same theory as the bases, right? The tank tracks regularly finish off the vehicle, you know, tie, tie them in with the rest of the army. So that's about all we've got time for. So we will leave you saying you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash floorhammerpodcast, our website, floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. Cheers, guys, for listening. Speak to you next episode.